Will Doug Branson finally knock the dust off the hat and put on the big dub hat? LaMelo Ball bounces back to form, and Rod Boone joins us for the first time in a while to talk some Charlotte Hornets basketball. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Check us out anywhere you get your pl- uh, your uh, podcast, any fl- uh, platform. It's Spotify, Apple. You get the deal by now. You can also check us out on YouTube. Don't forget, and you can follow us on Twitter. Walker Mail, Doug Branson, L O H, and the show handle on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. Great show. Rod Boone going to be hopping on with us to get the pulse of the team, which is like what I'm most interested in, Doug. At this point, clear is that is this that, is how you take a pulse, right? Two fingers. Feel- I do two. Do you do two fingers on the neck, or do you do two fingers on the wrist? I always go neck. I I feel like I'm dead if I check my wrist. I can never find it, so I always go with the neck. <laughs> I'm not very good at that whole game, but we're gonna see if Rod has gone to either the neck or the wrist and has found the pulse. And we're gonna talk about that with the Charlotte Hornets team where they are now after two victories and the Lamelo Ball stuff, only playing eight minutes. So I do want to talk all about all of that with Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. But let's just dive in here with a couple of wins, Doug. Like two in a row? Hornets don't yes. do that anymore. That, that's the two. Hornets of yesteryear, this year, earlier this year, but not so much recently. And yet here they are getting that big win against Cleveland. Weird game because of LaMelo, because they out-rebounded the Cavs, which might not mm-hmm. be as weird of a stat anymore. But the mm-hmm. Charlotte Hornets, they get that win. And then they beat the Spurs tight, but end up winning against San Antonio for a couple of wins in a row. Man, are you going to put on the hat, Doug? Do you have it handy? And is the Spurs victory or the Cleveland victory or both in a row good enough for you to don it? Well, I got a ton of questions as to why I didn't don the big dub hat for the Cleveland victory. My yeah. inbox was full of people <laughs> clamoring. Uh, people from the More Thor movement were like, hey, where's the big dub hat? Do you have your that separate huge- email chain with that group, More Thor? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a twit. It's a Twitter DM. Gotcha. Um, Anna. Anna. T- is there any kind of DMing on TikTok? It happens there too. Um, I know. I technology. don't know. I have like I. I think I made one just so people. I'm gonna make a more Thor videos. TikTok. I'm not on yeah. TikTok at all. I'm gonna make a more Thor TikTok. Anyway, a lot of views. So mm-hmm. yeah, people wanted to know why, and here's the simple reason why. It's because uh, it was such an outlier kind of victory. I understand the stakes. I understand they need every victory. I understand they had been in a drought. But I've seen this story before. The Hornets get a big win against an Eastern Conference uh, foe uh, that is better than them record-wise, and then come into the next game, a team they have to beat, and and they get hit. So I was not ready to wear the big dub hat. But this win, LaMelo Ball, 7 of 16, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. He's back to form. They were tough. They were physical. Yes, there were some defensive lapses, but you kind of expect that from this team at this point. But they hit big shots. They had clutch moment after clutch moment. LaMelo getting the foul shots. Terry hitting big shots. Certified gamer. If this isn't a big dub, folks, I'm going to give it – this is sort of a big dub double dub okay. for the Cleveland victory and for the follow-up victory. Yes, that's it. All right, Wearing the big dub hat for that win against San Antonio. It looks funny with the Bills 
sneaking out from under the big dub hat because now you have two hats on. I guess it is yeah, a double my, my, big dub hat. My headphones are uh, clamping down on one of the antennae. Yeah, don't let that happen. You got to get that okay, thing out there, we there. Well, nice job, Doug. Yes, I'm glad that you're bringing on the big. It's not hat. me. It's not. It's not nice job, me. It's nice job, Hornets. No, this was you because you created this, and so the Hornets wanted to get this win so they could see you in this, and they could check you out on YouTube, looking the way you do, which is excellent, by the way. Yeah, they do get the victory. I you mentioned the clutch moments, and I think that's the thing I took away from this game first and foremost. It's the fact that we have seen this team crumble in at least one quarter so many times before they did it against San Antonio. Like they actually kept pace and San Antonio fought back. And I actually like that more. It's not that they destroyed the Spurs kind of like they did with Cleveland Cavs had, you know, kind of a fake comeback attempt. They were there, but Hornets mm -hmm. were still able to separate themselves. Like the Spurs, every single quarter pretty much matched the production of Charlotte. And then you get to the fourth where this team has not been good this year in clutch situations, especially during this drastic way of losing that they've had where you get to overtime. No, you're not going to get that victory. Like you, you've already decided it, even if you have five minutes left to play and here they get to the fourth quarter. You mentioned those clutch moments. They didn't have this awful, horrendous quarter and they come out with a victory. That's the thing I noticed most with the backcourt playing well, over 50 combined points for Terry Rozier and LaMelo ball going back and filling up the stat sheet doing this without Gordon Jayla McDaniel still having some depth issues for a while we'll see when those guys can come back but yeah I, I think like even if it is against the Spurs who aren't great they're 24 and 40 not a very good basketball team you you could make the argument that every win is a big win for this team given the place in the standings but this one I, I think is fine if you want to put that big dub hat on. Montrez Harrell got going again. Loved seeing that seven of ten. So yeah, I thought this was a really nice victory for them. You had every player contributing in some kind of way, even if they were off in another particular way. Mason Plumley, for example, uh, twenty-four minutes in this game didn't shoot a lot, but thirteen rebounds. Didn't need to shoot a lot because of uh, of his other front court friend Montrez Harrell, who was seven of ten from the field, fifteen points and six rebounds. He and Lamelo Ball are deadly off the pick and roll. It's it's so fun to finally see a Hornets player with the ability to finish down low yeah. uh, with efficiency. And then Miles Bridges, three of twelve, inefficient off shooting night, one of six from three, but he contributes six rebounds and six assists. And then you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Hornets scoring double figures. This was a balanced victory. This was a smart victory. And this was one that they they sorely needed, I think, to remind themselves, yes, we used to do this. Like earlier in the season, we used to just handle teams that we knew how to handle. Everybody was a little aggressive in this one, too. Like you look at mm -hmm. the free throw attempts, the Hornets had 29 compared to the 20 that San Antonio put up. Hornets actually hit them for the most part, shot 80%. They uh, were 23 of 29. And if you look at the attempts, um, from the free throw line, Miles had four. I think that's about basically with his average. LaMelo had six, hit all of them. Terry had five, hit all of them. Cody had four, hit all of them. Kelly Oubre had six attempts, being a little aggressive when the shot's not falling, which it hasn't been a lot, gets there and hits four of his six free throws. Like I just thought you had some really nice aggression from the Charlotte Hornets, and that showed we're going to keep our foot on the gas not let up in any of these quarters. We're not going to let up in the fourth where we've been so bad in clutch time. They nailed the free throws. Huge. I mean, it, it really was nice to see. So team playing good basketball, two victories in a row. Not accustomed to seeing that here lately, 
but we'll see if they can continue to build upon that. And who better to discuss more of it with than Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. He is going to join us next, but not before we talk about Built Bar. I know a lot of people have given up on New Year's resolutions, especially if it means staying fit. I get that, but don't this year. I'm going to try to stick to mine. And the way what we can do that is if you go to Built Bar, Built.com and get you some Built Bars. It doesn't matter what flavor you get. The staples are great. The limited time flavors, the puffs they have, marshmallowy, they're fluffy, they're so good covered in 100% real chocolate. And the best part is that they're high in protein, they're high in fiber, but they're low in sugar and they're low in carbs. So they're healthy for you. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is oh, his name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. <laughs> he, he, Matt he Thomas. Didn't play at all. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Matt Thomas served me at an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your pods. Going to wait a little longer for Rod Boone. Going to hop on with us this episode, though. It's just going to be the next segment, and then we'll break down what we've seen from the Charlotte Hornets the last couple of games, the last couple of weeks. He just spoke with Montrez Harrell on his podcast, the QC Hornets Nest. We'll also get that pulse of the team that I was mentioning earlier and see what's going on there. You wanted to talk about a specific move from LaMelo, Doug. What did you like that was so spicy about it? Oh, man, if you missed the game, you missed one. Uh, I'm not going to say the spiciest move we've seen LaMelo hit this season. I think that award would have to go either to the through the legs alley-oop that he threw or to the behind the back uh, three quarters court. Pass That's my that favorite. Threw. That's my, yeah. favorite. that, that was, that was reactionary. So quick. Yeah. The full, I mean, it was such a long distance for it to be yeah. on the money. That was insane. The point here being that LaMelo has set a very high bar for sauce, the high yeah. sauce bar this it's, season. It's like five peppers. No doubt. I mean, yeah. That's the, that's the line. Yeah. Cinco peppers for sure. And uh, but he did hit a very saucy move in this one. This was second quarter, around 9 minutes 30. Hornets up one, and he hits a step-back uh, jumper. It's the old Harden sort of step-back shuffle that somehow isn't a travel. Like, no one will ever be able to explain to me how the Harden shuffle step-back is not a travel. They like to throw out words like gather and whatever, scather step. I, I Look, yeah, I don't care. Can I convince I, you with a crab dribble? Is that something that would convince you? I don't even uh, – yeah, what's that? Crabs are in the ocean. They're not They're not for basketball. So, um, right. anyway, uh, LaMelo hits this on DeJounte Murray, his uh, fellow all-star – and just, I mean, Murray, he had him, <laughs> he had Murray back at the foul line when he was pulling up for the three. It was so juicy and he hits the shot. So uh just love it, man. LaMelo was feeling it in this game from three. Love is like shot chart too. He um, you know, he he does take a couple of floaters, uh, but he hits two of them, misses the first one that he that he attempted, but everything else was three or at the rim. And I think ultimately that's gonna be better for LaMelo's game as he, you know, continues to 
um, develop that floater well, to be more consistent. That's the thing. And look, I don't want to beat this thing to death, man. But if you look at LaMelo and his shooting over this year, right? I've mentioned a million times how when everybody else was struggling shooting from deep, LaMelo did have the one cold streak and that was about it. It did not last as long as, as it did for some of these other players. And now you see him shoot well from the three-point line in this game against San Antonio. Here's where his numbers are on the season as far as shooting goes. So he's shooting right at 37% from deep right now. He's also shooting 86.6% from the free throw line and then averaging the 19.7 points per game. Like, this is the thing that's crazy about LaMelo is even if you were a full-on truther, Stan, thought he was going to be the, the greatest thing, you had to at least be a little worried about the shooting or you didn't think that it was going to be this good this early with this kind of volume. I mean, he's just bona fide, man. Like that, that's the thing that is so shocking to me when I was nervous about LaMelo at three overall, he was the choice, right? Like when we talked about it, it, he was the one that was going to provide the most star power. And it was important. The Hornets took a swing on that, but the shooting is what scared me because I, I just want my point guards to be able to hit shots, you know, like that. That's just it's, it's a huge. I don't want him to be Rondo as much as Rondo is good. I'd rather him be, you know, a shot maker from deep to the point where he can reach superstar all star type level because the passing otherworldly bigger body, whatever. The shooting has just shown itself to be true immediately upon stepping into the NBA. And then he's even improved not only from the three-point line, but also at the free throw line. And I think that's the most, not shocking, that's probably too strong of a word, but like it's just so strong and, and it's founded now. Like it's here. And I think that's the thing that is a little surprising to see to the start with Lamelo and his career. The other stuff, it's almost like the other stuff can come easier you know like if it was the shooting that was struggling and he was actually hitting inside then you might have this constant conversation will he be able to shoot from deep will that ever come no it's here he's just got to learn how to finish which i think is going to come with him hitting the weight room maturing the dude's only 20 years old like that that stuff can come along the way a little bit easier i feel like yeah yeah i think you know from lamello's perspective he and and he's he's alluded to this in in interviews like he feels pretty complete as an offensive player like he thinks you know instinctually and i agree i mean instinctually he sort of understands the offensive game on a level that that he is probably still learning a little bit on the on the defensive end but i agree i think body you know g getting more strength being able to finish inside those are things that he, you know he knows sort of where to be inside but those are things that could change and and maybe change some of the calculus Something interesting in this game, too, is that he was assisted to on, on several of his three-point attempts. Um, so maybe that's something that they're trying to incorporate a little bit more is, is facilitating to LaMelo Ball as opposed to always constantly relying on him to you know, create his own shot. And then you know, we talked in the first segment about how deadly that LaMelo and Montrez are on the pick and roll, and we were really speaking about that from the perspective of getting Montrez Harrell the ball. But it's actually, since Montrez Harrell has come on, it's actually worked both ways. Because there was a play in this game that I've seen multiple times since Montrez has joined, where Montrez hits him with a, a, a DHO and gets LaMelo going downhill and gets that floater uh, a little bit more open, you know, where it's not as contested, not as many bodies flying through the air towards LaMelo, giving him a little bit more breathing room to hit that floater. And Montrez physicals, you know, sets nice DHO, great execution, sets a screen. Those are the kind of plays uh, that really make 
uh, Montrez valuable and valuable to LaMelo Ball. I, I yeah, I've I've been really happy with what Montrez has given them and and it went away for like three straight games and it came back against San Antonio where he's able to hit 70% of his field goals because they have a really nice two-man chemistry, which I, I did kind of anticipate because we've been clamoring for a guy that can catch and be offensively gifted down low, and you give him one, you give LaMelo a, a, a guy like that, and all of a sudden, hey, we actually do have some nice offense that you can go into the half court. You know, Montrez is not the best player in the world, right? He's not this this best defender. You certainly want to upgrade at the center position. You want to upgrade even a pick and roll partner with LaMelo. But it goes to show you a guy that's playing this well with LaMelo as the ball handler. Once you do take that next step up, you know, we've climbed the ladder from Mason Plumlee to Montrez Harrell with that trade. You know, can we keep climbing from Montrez to, I don't know, I don't know who that guy would be. But mm-hmm. once you take that next step, once you keep climbing, then it's only going to be that much more impressive in those two man game situations in the pick and roll. Can you get somebody that can hit the jumper a little more consistently, do the pick and pop thing, and also just have somebody that is an average rim defender? And if you have that, then this is that's gonna, all we're asking for. That's all help. that's all we've ever asked for. It's just an <laughs> average. True. We haven't asked for an much average rim defender. Yeah. This and, was a weird game, Walker. 34 lead changes, 20 ties. Uh, San Antonio beat Charlotte on points off of turnover by 10 points, 17 to 7. Uh, they beat the Hornets in fast break points, 18 to 9. I didn't expect that. Uh, the Hornets win the bench points battle, 39 to 26. That probably had a lot to do with why the Hornets were able to stay uh, in this game. And then uh, to top it all off, I was worried about Dejounte Murray, and he certainly had a nice game, nine of 21. Uh, 25 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. Almost had a nice little triple-double there with three steals to go along with it. But it, but that wasn't the story for San Antonio. It was Keldon Johnson with 33 points it through three quarters and set his career high and then lays a goose egg in the fourth quarter. 0-5. Weird. Very weird. And Keldon Johnson was a player, you know, I remember liking, I think we both really liked him in that draft process and he's really come on strong with the Spurs. He's good and clearly showed that against the Hornets. And then you're right. Like I, it was actually a Rod Boone tweet. I remember reading here's Kelton Johnson. It was a highlight, you know, Kelton Johnson, 33 career high through three quarters. Rod was saying, yep. And there's a whole other quarter left to play and gave a goose egg. Didn't score anything after that. Um, so I mean, huge there. The fact that he yeah. didn't kill them in clutch moments. Yeah, I mean, Hornets didn't really lock Keldon Johnson down necessarily. Uh, it was the rebounding. I mean, really securing the missed shots by Keldon Johnson because he didn't take a shot until around 5.30 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, you know, get it, securing those rebounds were part of why in this tight game the Hornets were able uh, to secure the victory. But they they weren't – there was one particular one uh, down the stretch where they needed – I mean, the San Antonio needed a bucket. Keldon got wide open on a, uh, a weird uh, kind of transition defense lapse and uh, just co- completely missed it. So, you know, fortune favors the rebounders. Well, I was about to say 51-50. to 50. Hornets, they get out-rebounded by one – We'll take that's that. fine, but fifty, but fifty rebounds. That, that says they were getting, they were getting some stops. It's fine that they were. Oh, that was my point. Was not yeah. to condemn them for getting out rebounded. My point was to even emphasize that more. Hey, they out rebounded the Cavs, and they only got out rebounded by one against the Spurs. We asked if this was sustainable. James Borrego was asked that same thing after the Cavs game, and he said yes. Like 
it, it doesn't mean that they're going to be a, a top five, top 10 rebounding team, but we can go back to the Zach Lowe article, the 10 things that he releases every week. One of them was Charlotte not doing the little things that you can take mm -hmm. control of. You're not going to have somebody grow to seven feet tomorrow in order to help you out down low, but you can box out and not ball watch. You can just not be yep. out of the game yep. in outer space thinking about something yep. else and go after the basketball box out, then go get it. And like, look, this is real fundamental stuff. And it's like, Oh, the players have never thought about that before. Here's some brand new information, but it's true. Like they are, they're just turning and watching in some of these situations. And now the last two games, they've been a lot better at it. Like getting out rebounded by 20, the two previous contests. Yeah. And I think it really is all defensive rebounding. You know, I think, you know, offensively, we haven't seen the numbers fluctuate wildly. Like you're getting pretty standard numbers from Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball. Kelly Oubre has oscillated a lot. Montrez Harrell is giving you consistent production. P.J. Washington had some big buckets in this game. Love is like fourth guy line here. 15 points, five rebounds, two steals, two blocks. Um, you're getting that generally from P.J. Washington every day. Miles... Um, you know, sort of fluctuates is kind of a little bit of an X factor offensively with his with his shooting. Uh, but generally, you're getting what you're going to get from them offensively. It really does come down to defense and rebounding. How much effort, uh, awareness, really, are are they um, able to expend each game? And uh, you just hope that they they keep it going. That, that that this that they have laid down the marker now. Hey, this is how we're going to play for the rest of the way. Not many games left. Let's get into good position because hey, coming up. They've got a back-to-back -back with Brooklyn, who's also rested, and uh, the Celtics. So huge games. Yeah, I mean, a Brooklyn team that has Kevin Durant back and the Boston Celtics, who Jason Tatum just owned the Brooklyn Nets. 50-burger. Kevin Durant on the floor at that time. So really impressive teams. Hornets going to have to fight like hell to try to get both of those victories. Let's talk about bet online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball in full steam, both for pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the actions. Uh, action, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm for real this time. Rod Boone, Charlotte Observer, joining us next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm, I'm a little, I listen, hold on. I, now see. Uh, I, we couldn't just blow by that one. Well, you had because this is what frustrates me. You know, I'm uh -huh. under the weather. You know, I'm not at 100% right now. And you're, you're just taking it to me. You're like one of these people that knew Nick Batum had a hand injury and they were just slapping his hand because it's like, we're going to get, we're going to knock this guy's hand because we know he's injured. And that's what you're doing to me right now. But I just want to say, Sam, if you're listening, you're more than a numbers guy. You have heart, you have soul, you have agency. You are a person. Love you, Sam. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Now we welcome Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer to Locked on Hornets. You can follow him on Twitter at Rod Boone and also make sure you check out his podcast, the QC Hornets Nest. He just had a conversation with Montrez Harrell, one of the newest additions, not the newest. Isaiah Thomas holds that title, but one of the newest additions to the Charlotte Hornets roster. Rod, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today, man? 
doing well. Nice to talk about a Hornets victory. Nice to talk about a couple of wins in a row for Charlotte, where that has not necessarily been the case as of late. And LaMelo Ball was a big reason for that in this game against the San Antonio Spurs. Put up 24 points, a typical really good LaMelo stat line. Eight rebounds, seven assists. Got back to the 30-minute total that he had been playing, unlike the eight-minute total that he logged against the <laughs> Cleveland Cavaliers. Maybe dive into that a little bit more. But what did you see from LaMelo out there? I know you wrote a piece, LaMelo looking more like himself against the Spurs. I just think, first of all, just hitting his shots. I think that's what it really boils down to with LaMelo a lot of times is the shots are falling, he becomes really, really dangerous. Obviously, if he's getting to the basket, if he's uh, making passes to he's making assists and rebounds, those things are all good, but you have to be able to score, too, at some point to make the defense be able to figure out what they're going to do when they have you uh, guarding against, you know, with the ball, basically. So for LaMelo to come out there and play the way he did, uh, it was good for the team because he hadn't looked that way since the All-Star break. I'm not sure if it was just a little bit of tired legs or just, uh, again, the shot wasn't falling, but um, he hadn't been himself, to me anyway, for the first four games, other than the game, um, you know, we scored 24 points, whatever, and blowout win. So it's going to be blowout loss, but I mean, I, I think he's, you know, he, again, he played well, um, and it's quite, to go out there and do what he did was good for the Hornets, obviously. Well, it was, and you mentioned maybe just not having the legs quite yet, you know, after that all-star break. And then James Brega would joke after the game against Cleveland when he only played eight minutes, 7.58 to be exact, said, well, he should be well-rested. And it was weird, Rod, because, I mean, we had the Hornets get a victory against Cleveland. It was kind of a blowout, and then mm – -hmm. When I checked the box score first, I couldn't watch the game live. I thought, great, LaMelo got hurt, taken out. Hopefully he'll be ready the next game. But in the end, it was foul trouble, and James Brego didn't want to play him. Even after the game, too, he said, we'll see if LaMelo can respond on Saturday in that game against the Spurs. What did you make of that whole situation? Like, was that a teaching moment from JB? Did he really not want to play LaMelo because of the fouls, and he didn't want to risk him late, and then they didn't need him? What did you make of that whole decision from the head coach? I think it's probably more about the fouls because honestly, you mentioned it actually was my question. I actually asked him about LaMelo and mm -hmm. you know, the foul trouble and how come um, he wasn't playing as much. I just think that more than anything, it was just, I think he got three fouls in the first quarter. So when you pick up three fouls in the first quarter and then you come out there, um, don't play the entire second quarter and the first part of the third quarter, you essentially get your fourth foul. And they think at that point, um, JB probably would have brought him back in the game in the fourth or so. But the team was playing so well. He responded to what he was looking for. Isaiah Thomas was kind of, you know, doing his thing for his first game there. So I think it was just one of those situations that if you didn't see the game itself or didn't know what was going on, you're probably like, what's happening? But, yeah, eight minutes, you know, for your star player, um, and still go out there and beat one of the best teams in the East is, is a weird, different dynamic. But I think it was more about foul trouble more than anything. Yeah, Rod, I mean – that, that game being what it was, there does seem to be a level of frustration prior to these two victories that, that seemed to be bubbling from the surface from the players, uh, from, from some of the coaching staff as well. And, and it would be warranted if they were frustrated, right? I mean, they they've they incurred a lot of losses heading into the All-Star break. They come in, they have, you know, a, a big win followed by a, de a really devastating, inexplicable loss to Detroit. Um, you know, how how have you seen that sort of behind the scenes? How have you seen that frustration being managed? You know, because they still want to all try to stay together, obviously, and make a run at this play-in game. How have you seen that? Uh, you know, what, what's the strategy there to kind of manage the psychology of the team at this point? I think more than anything else is just sticking together. Um, every time I talk to these guys about when they go through these tough stretches and just when they aren't winning games the way they would like to or things are not um, going in their favor, 
you know, what's happening after asking these games, after I usually ask them what's happening, usually they say, um, you know, it's, it's more about just moving on to the next game. But, but, but you can tell the frustrations are definitely there, but it's more about just, we should be doing better than we are. It's not finger pointing, saying this guy isn't doing his job, this guy isn't doing his job. It's more of why mm-hmm. as a team, collectively, are we not doing what we should be doing out there on the floor? So it's more about that to me. It's more about, um, anything, you know, if you want to say they're fracturing, you know, that's not happening. It's more about their brotherhood. These guys are like brothers out there on and off the court. They like each other. They like to, to spend time with each other. They joke with each other. Um, you know, after these losses, they're definitely very annoyed and frustrated. But to the team as a whole still is still basically together. Like, don't get that confused if they have losses and look like they're annoyed on the floor or on the bench. They really want to go out there and win these games. They know they should be better than what they're doing right now. Looking back at the trade deadline, they added a player in Montrez Harrell uh, who was frustrated himself with the situation in Washington but seems to have – uh, come to Charlotte with the right frame of mind and and uh, willing to impact the game at, in multiple ways. He was recently on your podcast and he said, quote, you understand this, uh, talking about being traded from the Wizards, he said, quote, you understand this is a business and you basically just look at a new opportunity to come somewhere and just be able to impose your presence. So, Rod, my question is simple. Has he been able to do that in your mind? Has he imposed his presence, made his mark on this team since joining after the trade deadline? Absolutely. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, I wrote a couple of years ago about Montrez Harrell thinking he was a good fit for the Hornets because this is what he bought in terms of his intensity, um, you know, his, his will to kind of go out there um, and under the basket, make plays. Um, he's what they needed. He's not only a guy who's an energy player and pumps the crowd, his teammates up. He is doing very well in the pick and roll. You know, I wrote that the other day. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm sure you do. You guys do a lot of film breakdown and whatnot. You know, him and LaMelo, um, are doing really well with the pick and roll right now. And those are one of the most basic plays in basketball. And if you can't stop it, uh, or, or if it makes it a little bit difficult for you to guard, then that opens up different options for you in the floor. So with him coming on board, it gives the Hornets a different option. Um, they also have been playing, obviously, P.J. Washington, the five for the most part. Um, also, he's been playing a lot of fourth quarter play. P.J. Washington, for the, you know, in terms of having him out in the floor as opposed to Mason Plumlee, because Mason, uh, free throw shooting, as we know, is not very good. So with Montrez, he gives you the option to be able to at least potentially go out there, you know, in the fourth quarter. His free throw shooting isn't great either, but it's better than Mason. So to me, Montrez has been great for his team. He's been what they needed all around, energy guy, veteran presence. Um, He's done what they needed for him so far. So we'll see if it keeps going. Yeah, just one of the last questions before we get you out of here, Rod. I mean, Montrez and his addition, I know you talked with him on your podcast, the QC Hornets Nest. What was one of the things you took away from your conversation with Trez, whether he liked playing back here in North Carolina, being from Tarboro, just his teammates being that leader? What was something that you kind of took note of that was either funny or something that you thought was really cool in your conversation? I think it was really too. I mean, it was the fact that he's a leader and essentially the coaching staff kind of asked him to be a leader here and kind of help lead these young players who don't have a playoff experience or maybe not don't know what to do um, in terms of maybe trying to fight yourself into the playoffs and, and figure out how to get in there and how possession matters. So to me, he's been great in that regard. To hear him explain um, how the coaching staff has asked him to be a little more vocal was, was cool. And then the other thing is just being from North Carolina, being from Tarboro, he loves being here. Um, you can tell he loves playing for the Hornets. He really enjoys the fact that he can get in his car for a couple hours and drive and see his kids. That's something he couldn't do 
um, a whole lot. Obviously, in the West Coast, we play for the Clippers or Lakers. So able to do a little bit more. We play for Wizards in D.C. He would drive home. He told me some time of off days just to kind of be able to go see his family. But now being here in Charlotte, then come down here and see him. He can go up there and see them. So I think it's all around great for everybody. So to me, um, I even asked him the, the first day he got here. I know he's a free agent. Um, I know it's early. But um, to me, I think he fits in perfect with the culture here. And the Hornets should think hard about resigning him and bringing him on board beyond this season. All right, the very I, I, last question. Oh, go ahead, Doug. Go ahead. Well, no, I just was going to say, I think it's a great point. And I think, you know, we, we talk a, a lot about what this team needs, uh, you know, schematically. Obviously, they need rim protection, some things that they have to address uh, player-wise in the offseason. But I, I think a big thing that we started to talk about now is just finding players like Montrez who have a little bit of experience in the playoffs or maybe even some sort of championship credentials because I think this season, to me, has really been marked by a young immature team having some growing pains as they try to shift the gears into actual winning basketball. Is that kind of your read on this season so far and some of the, some of the struggles they've had? I agree. Cause you know, you look at it, let's be honest, the struggles have happened for the most part since Gordon Haywood got hurt. And I know right when he got hurt, there's a couple of games when he came back and they were still were losing. So I get that point of it, but Gordon Haywood does so much for the team that that's pretty much goes unseen. That I think that shows you also right there, this is veteran presence that's missed out on the court, locker room. You know, him not being able to play is one thing. Not being able to coach your teammates on and be actually on the floor with them, going through those battles and those fires is just different. So, yes, this year has been about trying to find that next, you know, that next level of experience because we saw last year, you know, playing tournament game, they came out and had no idea of just the level of play and just how much it increased. So this year should be about getting your experience level to the point where that happens again. You Not only are you ready for it, but you have players and people in place to make sure that doesn't happen again. Rod, was it weird to hear somebody talk about maturity with antenna sticking up from his hat that he's wearing on this podcast <laughs> uh, This right is now? the, uh, Ray, Rod, sorry, we didn't explain this to you. This is the big dub hat. Uh, this is the, it's finely crafted. Uh, this is the hat that is worn on this show when the Hornets get a big dub. Uh, don't don't listen to Walker's negativity. I'm sorry. Oh, if, a, did you feel the need to back out immediately? Like, oh my God, myself <laughs> into when you want, and then there's antenna. Like, yeah, we don't. Th this is this is not some fan or podcast. No, we're really objective, and we give you the smart analysis. That's what we like. Well, to do. well I'll tell you what. The big dub. There's two big games this week coming up for the Hornets. I mean, Huge. think about right. it. Right now, just without even playing for a couple of days, the gains from going from tenth to eighth in the Eastern Conference. Who they tie with? The Hawks and Nets. And who they play on Tuesday? The Nets. Right. <laughs> who they play right. on Wednesday? The Celtics. So big week right. for the Hornets to be able to come out here and get a couple of these games because um, you know you don't want us to obviously fall too far behind. The Wizards are kind of on your tail. They got two games up on the Wizards, but to me the Hornets have to get at least one or two games against the Celtics or, or, or Nets because. They're really two teams that are in front of them right now. There, there are huge games, and Rod, feel free to ask or hop in Doug's DMs about that hat. He'll overnight it to you if you want to wear it on your podcast, and everybody can check it out, the QC Hornets Nest. Also, make sure you check out his work at the Charlotte Observer. It's fantastic stuff. You can follow him on Twitter and social media, at Rod Boone, and we always appreciate his time. Rod, thanks so much, man. Can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That was Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. And thank you for making it your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, as well as check out Locked On Bets. Got plenty of stuff 
on the Locked On Podcast Network that you can check out. Hopefully you have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back with you tomorrow.